in connection with the question, what do we know about the truthfulness of God from the Bible? We were in process of discussing a tenth objection which has been raised against the consistency and truthfulness of the Bible, and by implication against the author of the Bible. The objection relates to the nature of salvation. It is affirmed by many that God deals with our past, present, and future sins all at once, and that one act of faith secures a perpetual salvation. On the other hand, there appear to be many Bible passages which indicate that future salvation to the true Christian is a conditional thing, and that God expects us to abide in Christ in the wonderful relationship of the gospel until death as a condition for our future salvation and our eternal presence in the glorious heaven that God has designed and planned. Jude, it will be recalled, said, Keep yourselves in the love of God. Barnabas, as he went to Antioch and saw the grace of God, exhorted the people that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. So we were in process of reading a number of scriptures which indicate the conditionality of future salvation. And we had come in the process of our reading to the 10th chapter of Hebrews. There in verses 26 to 29, we read these most solemn words. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy, who hath trodden under foot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. This solemn passage relates to the sixth chapter of Hebrews, verses 4 and 6, upon which we have commented. We notice here that there is a danger of willful sin. Certainly this is not a lapse into a state of backsliding, toward God, as sad as this is. Indeed, how do we know as we draw away from the Lord? How far is our true state from God? We are not able to appreciate the danger of our backsliding, and this is the solemn tragedy of the whole. Of course, by relationship that the true Christian has with Christ, he is not abandoned immediately. But the Holy Spirit of God who has been given him takes measures of all sorts to bring us back to that solemn place of abiding in Christ as happy children. He takes measures of kindness, measures of love, measures of severity, measures of warning from various sources. The Word of God is brought to bear upon us. But the tragic thing is that we do have possession of our own free will, 
and we can reject the loving overtures of the Holy Spirit as he seeks to renew us to that place of happy confidence and abiding and true forgiveness of sin. So there is a danger that we will so harden our hearts as to sin willfully and with great intensity against all the kind measures of God. We notice that this passage relates to those who were sanctified. And so it's possible to come to that point of hardness where we will do despite unto the Spirit of grace and say with Israel of old, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. And if we do this with an intention, with a purpose, with a resistance that is a culminating fact of our backsliding, then we are in danger of fulfilling this tragic passage. But as has been affirmed, we have no confidence how far we may have been along the pathway of departure from God, and thus the only safe thing is to happily abide in Christ in a willing and joyful obedience. We read further in verses 38 and 9, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So it is possible to cease to live by faith and to draw back unto perdition. We come in the next place to the 12th chapter of Hebrews, where in 14 to 17 we read these verses. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. This is impressive, is it not? Nothing short of a complete transformation of heart is salvation, according to the wonderful descriptions of the New Testament. But we are to be looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Here then we are to be looking diligently, lest we fail of the grace of God, lest we allow the temptations of life and the temptations from within to again control us and trouble us and defile us, lest we harden our heart and refuse to confess our sins and our uh, needs of the great mercy of God. But how wonderful to abide in Christ in that happy state of love that God intends us to do. In the last two verses of James, chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, we read these words, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. Here we see this passage addressed to the brethren, and that it is possible for one of the brethren to err from the truth, and to need to be converted again, or turned again back to that point of submission 
to the great Lord Jesus, the Savior of our souls. And certainly when such a one is turned back from the error of his way, his soul is saved from death, and a multitude of sins are hidden forever. They are hidden, of course, because they are forgiven by the grace of God. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 to 22, we have a most solemn warning. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it is happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Now this is a most remarkable description because the concept there in verse 20 is that they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this word knowledge is as complete a word as can be found in the New Testament. It is a perfect and a complete knowledge grounded in personal acquaintance. What a profound description this is. Certainly this relates to the true Christian, and in no other concept could we entertain such a wonderful description. But it is possible to be entangled again in the ways of sin and to be overcome. And certainly the latter end in such instances is exceedingly worse than the beginning. And so the warnings of God go forth as to the necessity of continuing in the faith. And this ought to be easy and joyful after all that God has done for us through our Lord Jesus Christ. In the second chapter of the book of Revelation, verses 10 and 11, we read, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Here then is a, a command that we as Christians must be faithful unto death if we are going to partake of the great and glorious salvation of the Lord. In the third chapter of Revelation, verses 3 to 5, Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Here then is the insistence that the true children of God must continue in the faith.
Again in Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 and 19. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. So here is the solemn warning that it is possible to so persist in the ways of sin that God shall be obliged to remove our names out of the book of life. May this never happen to us as true Christians, and indeed it need not. Our Heavenly Father, with thanksgiving, we come to Thee for the frankness of Thy Word, that Thou hast warned us of the necessity, and Thou dost beckon us with the kindness of Thy love to abide in our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that many may respond to Thy invitation through repentance and faith, be reconciled to Thee, and to live a happy life of submission both now and forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.